Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Last Spot. I'm your guest host today, producer Sam. Unfortunately, Sebastian, who's here. Sebastian, chime in. Nope, Sebastian's hiding in his bed. He's unfortunately sick today, so I will be taking care of all today's. So today on today's show, we got the one, the only, Bruce Valanche. Let's go. And as always, we like to remind everybody, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and click that like and subscribe, as well as that notification bell. And if you listen to us on an audio version, wherever you stream your podcasts, if there's a place for you to follow, follow us. Uh, Bruce Valanche is our guest today. Bruce, as we all know, and, and, and like I told Bruce, I said, I don't think we really need to... to Go over it, the history and the pop culture, or as his shirt says, as seen on Dateline. Um, you have been an actor, comedian, number one maestro of words, pretty much, is, is, is what I would call it. Like, your biggest yeah, thing is, is yeah, right. that's right. I'll and listen up. I tried to look for a blonde wig today, and it was so hard. I sat there in short supply. That's right. I think they're all at your house. COVID snapped them all up. Everybody wanted to be blonde and fabulous. That's right. But if you you guys don't know who Bruce Valanche is, all I can say is do your history. He's everywhere. If he's been there, he – if there's been something in pop culture, Bruce has probably probably been on it. I I don't know if you know this, Bruce, but you've made it so far as being on one Simpsons episode. Guilty, yeah. Guilty, and, and, and it's just a one-liner. It just says uh, if, something about writing and Whoopi Goldberg or something yes, like that. It was, uh, uh, it was the, I think the mayor's making a speech, and yeah, he does yeah. a joke and the bombs, and, he's, uh, and he said, thanks, Bruce Valance, and throws it away. And then they cut to me in the audience wearing a Fred Flintstone T-shirt. That's and right. And I say, uh, Whoopi would have gotten a laugh. Exactly. But and then, of course, season, he's season 11 and they're like on season 342 now. That's, so it's, I'm amazed when people remember it. But then, you know, Simpsons fans are like rigorous. You know, I, I, for years, I, I keep getting emails from people I grew up with saying, oh, man, my, my kids think you're so cool now because you were on The Simpsons. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, the well, yeah, they say my grandkids think you were so cool. because. Uh, <laughs> that's right. But I you also you've also been on. 
on South Park as well. You've been referenced I've been on three times on South Park. I'm stunned and amazed. Three I times. Remember I was the coon. That's right. Yeah. You were the coon. <laughs> well, well, let me play one real quick for you. I think this one's my favorite, and I think it's the funniest. And it really doesn't have. It really doesn't show you, but it's Cartman and all of them showing up. I guess they're trick or treating or something like yes. that. And yes, my, that's my favorite too. That's my favorite. Let's play this real quick. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. Oh, wow. Look, honey, it's Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and Bruce Valanche. I'm not Bruce Valanche. Oh, what are you supposed to be? Oh, oh, right. You're supposed to be that, um, uh... The Incredible. Right, right. The Incredible Chaz Bono. Remember, honey, Dancing with the Stars, the fat transsexual? Oh, cute. No, not Chaz Bono. Do you see my skin? I'm green. <gasps> the Incredible Harvey Firestein? No, Harvey Firestein's just gay and fat, honey. He's not green. The person I'm dressed at is not fat and not gay. The incredibly fat and gay skinny straight man? Just give us some fucking candy! (laughs) (laughs) I think, now, you know, I don't know when, yeah, when was that released? That was outrage. I am not Bruce (laughs) Valanche. That's right. Like, what? Why can't he be Bruce Valanche? But but when was that released? It was probably early 2000, definitely for Uh, sure. I guess I'm, as uh, I would think. I'm trying to think of the references uh, when Chaz was on uh, Dancing with the Stars. It was probably yeah, so, right around then because that was quite that was very current. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, of course, South Park has it has a history uh, of making fun of everyone equally. Oh, if, I love it. Yeah, I know, but I I would say I wanted to be in the closet with Tom Cruise. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Again, so let's you take what you get. Let's dive in a little bit. You were born in New York. You you find your way by way of Chicago. You you Bet Midler kind of you write you write a, a, a an article for Bet Midler uh, or about Bet Midler on her her sta- her stand up routine her her um, her singing career in, in yeah, the nightclub. Right. nightclub act. She loves it. She's like, hey, I think you're great with words. Why don't you come write jokes for me? Or why don't you come write stuff in general for me? And you guys end up teaming up. And then some way you make your way out to out to Hollywood. And yeah. that's kind of where you stay. Well, I got what? to Hollywood because uh, an act that we helped start called the Manhattan Transfer, uh, which was a nostalgia act back in the 70s. And now has become a, a 50 years later. Uh, it's a world-class jazz act. And they uh, um, we put the show together. And we uh, sold it as a television show. It was mm-hmm. uh, it was a summer replacement for Cher. Oh, okay. So way back. So, way uh, back. so yeah, way back. That was on the pilot of the Cher show. Anyway, so that got me out to Hollywood, and I just stayed. You know, I'd always said if, if I, I always wanted to be here, and I thought I wouldn't go until I had a job and an agent. And right. I had a job and I had an agent, so I thought, okay, here I go. And now I, are I, you- I got it just at the tail end of variety television. Because cable killed it, you know right, those right. variety shows that we used to see. Well, well, that you see now in on Antenna and MeTV and and decades, the Carol Burnett show, the Dean Martin show, those were all on. Everything was killed by cable. So uh, I picked a fine time to to move to <laughs> to move to LA, but I I eat my way through. Now, of course, that landed uh, more work for you, especially on the writing side of the house. Really? Um, yeah. You started 
of course you you did a couple guest spots here and there you did a couple movies and of course sebastian wants wants me to talk about the movie ice pirates yeah it's the work of their genius but but i'm writing about it because i'm writing a book now and i'm actually on the ice pirates uh chapter (laughs) okay now I noticed that Ice Pirates was released by the same company that released Spaceballs. Not only that, but Spaceballs was shot on the Ice Pirates sets. Some of them, we had Mel came onto the set. Mel Brooks came onto the set, uh, and uh, he said, "Gee, this is great. I could use all of this." And they redressed it, and it, had, it was on the very the, the famous stage thirty at MGM, which was where the Wizard of Oz was shot. Not only is Wizard of Oz shot there, but Esther Williams, a swimming star who made all these musical movies for uh, Metro, they had a, a, a swimming pool and a tank, all of which were on that stage. So they could shoot underwater it was a, you know, with portholes. So right. all of that. And you could redress and use all that. Stuff. I mean, it's, uh, it's still there. You know, it's Sony now. And they shoot all everything gets shot on that. It's, it's like the mo- it's one of the most famous places in Hollywood. And, it, and I bet you can see it if you take a tour. So we, we had that. But. Our, this this was like a, a a picture that was never meant to happen, and uh, uh, the the producer was ha, had a production deal on the lot at MGM, which it was MGM then, and uh, as luck would have it, they uh, fired the guy who was the head of the studio, and they made oh, the producer head of the studio, and so the first thing he did was greenlight our picture. Got it. So we got to make the Ice Pirates. It, during the course of the shoot, which was only eight weeks. He was fired. A new head of production <laughs> came in and said, "You have to wrap the picture this week." <laughs> got it. Got it. Was supposed it. to be like a thirteen-week schedule, and of course, we had to wrap it after eight weeks. But uh, so we had. That's why we have the time warp. Why there's a, a there's a device at the end where, because we had no time to shoot all those scenes. Got so it. We put everybody in a time warp, and everything was, was was sped up. And I came on as a writer. I came on uh, to do a rewrite on it, and. Uh, Paul Williams, you know, little little Paul Williams, the singer, right. son, was supposed to play went, Weird Wendon, the the uh, evil emperor, and he quit. And they, they they said you can play it, and so because he's basically he's gambled his body away, and he's a compulsive gambler, and all that's left is his head, and they keep putting his head on other bodies. So I said, well, you know, I'm famous for my head, so why don't we just use that? And that's actually a line in the movie at some point, you know. Uh, I, I, now that one was released in 1984, right? I yeah, think so. I guess so. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then and then Spaceballs was released in 1987s, but I just get this gut feeling, and I we know it happens all over in the entertainment industry, in the music industry. It almost feels like the Spaceballs feels like feels like feels like Irish Pirates. Uh, but a well, more you know, that, comedic. I mean, Mel, but Mel was was basically doing a parody of Star Wars, right? Of the Star Wars movies. Uh, so um, and everybody. I mean, so were we, basically. Right. I mean, it was, and that, in fact, it was originally an action picture, but it would mm-hmm. cost so much money to do, uh, and they brought in Stuart Raffle uh, to direct it and rewrite it, and he right. made it more. He made it a, a more of a comedy. It wasn't supposed to be a comedy, and it still is somewhere in between. Uh, you know, action, I mean, real sci-fi and, and comedy. I mean, uh, that's, I think, why people like it. I and mean, it's become a cult thing because it's just, it's just so fucking weird. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it definitely... I mean, Spaceballs is a Mel Brooks movie. Spaceballs right. is Mel Brooks making fun of all of the Star Wars things. So, right. uh, 
there, there, I mean, there's bound to be some overlap. But, you know, back then, Star Wars was very big in the zeitgeist because of the, right. the th first three movies. And, um, and, and they were, I think, showing up on home video, you know, and uh, cable. So uh, people were very aware of it. So there were a lot of Star Wars things, Star Wars-ish things floating around. Right. And you guys made that for nine million dollars, it says uh, you yeah. guys the budget and it only made 14 million within the box office and probably home. So we're hoping that it make it's probably more yeah, than it that. Was a half, it, it was a half ass hit. I remember that John <laughs> calling me on Monday after the first weekend and said we have a half ass hit. I mean, we did like, you know, five and a half, five, five the first weekend, which back then was pretty good. Right. And especially for a picture that didn't have, you know. Bob Urich was our star, and he was a right. television actor. He had, he wasn't really a movie star, so um, uh, it was uh, you know it was considered okay. And and where Metro was in those days, I mean, it was right. that was like we had done Gone to the Wind. Oh, you know, really? Was, <laughs> and they were in they were in such deep shit that it didn't really you know they thought oh my god we're a big hit and a huge Ice Pirates poster went up in, in the studio you know and, right <laughs> it's ridiculous. But uh, it wound up, you know, it wound up doing okay in ancillary, what they call ancillary. One of the reasons is Ted Turner fell mm -hmm. in love with it. He just thought it was the greatest thing. And he put it on all of his uh, stations. He put it on TNT and TBS and Turner Classic. And it just was everywhere. And Angelica Houston, who uh, had made one movie before this, right. and off of this picture got cast in Pritzi's Honor, and uh, won the Oscar. Suddenly, it was like they said, Angelica Houston, we've had to show her movies. Well, she had three, and this was one of them. And so this was one of them. And so it went on. It was on all the time. And I can't begin wow. to tell you. I mean, I would turn on TV and be, oh, my God, there we are again. There <laughs> I am with the space herpes. Space herpes, that's right. Oh my god. So and then after that, what what uh you ended up uh like I said, you ended up writing for the um uh, the the Oscars. The Oscars, yeah. Uh, I did twenty-five of them. Yep, twenty-five Oscars. You did it from uh early nineteen eighty nine from eight from eighty-nine basically to I guess uh, two thousand fourteen, which is when I, I was not a, a, a done with it officially, but right. Uh, uh, the thing is, when you when you have a reputation for doing a show like that and it's been successful, they people call you all the time and say help. Right. Because now they have like this year's show. Jimmy Kimmel's writers are writing. Oh, okay. So, so and there's probably there's nothing left over in the budget. So there's one guy who is writing for a lot of stuff, and a lot of people who I know who are on the show who don't like their material will call and say, "Please help me with this," which is right. ironic because that was how I got into the thing at the beginning. Right. Brett was on the show, and I'd write stuff for her and. Shirley MacLaine and I, and so, so I was around the show, but I was never officially on it. And then I now, was officially on it and could not get off it. That's right. That's right. Which is fine. I mean, you want that good, sturdy gig. You so. know, it's like, I mean, for the kind of stuff I do, it's like, it's like being a football player and doing the Super Bowl right. every year. I mean, right. if your team, your team was in the Super Bowl every year. And for 25 years, I was. And it's great. I mean, it's live television with ridiculous pressure, and it resonates, you know. I mean, that slap last year will go on. It will it will live with Will Smith forever. And tonight, Chris Rock will do a whole number on it on his Netflix special. I don't right. know when we're being seen right now, but we are. It's, it's Saturday, March 4th, and he's on Netflix tonight, and everyone's waiting to see what he does. 
Oh, okay. So, but that's because that uh, that's the effect the uh, the Oscar show has. It's yeah. You know, so, now, at, now, the, I always wondered how how the how a writer goes about. You know, like I said, you you've already have a history of writing for certain people and and killing it as far as the you know the one liners or the punchlines or or whatever the case may be. How does so, someone go about um, go about uh, getting a job like that or keep keep getting phone calls back that hey, we want you to write for us? It's a lot of sleeping around. It's really, you know, <laughs> I just can't. Lizzo stop calling me. I'm telling you. <laughs> you have a you have a brother, <laughs> right? Um, uh, well, you know, you you get to know people. That's it. You, right. uh, I mean, when you start writing comedy, if you're not writing it for yourself, uh, you I always tell people go to the, the comedy store, the Laugh Factory. Find somebody you like and say, because what happens to them, to, to comedians, is they, at the beginning, nobody's interested in them and they spend all their time writing material and trying it out. And once they hit, they are they're sucked into the star making machinery, what Joni Mitchell called the star making machinery. Right. And there's no time for them to write. And that's when they take on collaborators. Hmm. You know, I mean, Tiffany Haddish is a girl, you know, uh, suddenly explodes. And she doesn't have time to sit there anymore because she's very busy, you know, doing Vanity Fair covers and Vogue modeling and all the things that one does when all these revenue streams and publicity things that happen. And that used to be their writing time. So that's when they kind of look around for collaborators who get them and who can write for them. And they have the money to to, uh, to buy stuff. So right. that's that. Uh, you know, you have to do the you do the work in the trenches. You go find them. Uh, if you're starting out and that's how you do it. And then once that happens, the word gets around and people start coming to you. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Bruce Valanche. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And we're back with the actor, comedian, writer, and also songwriter. Also songwriter. You got it. That's right. Bruce Valanche. Bruce, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of jumping around a little bit and we didn't go in order. Um, but if anyone wanted to look back, they can see the order in, in which kind of your career has taken, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. 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 But I wanted to be tidy. That's right. We don't have to be because we, we can edit it all and then put it in a timeline and it will look all great. But I wanted to I, a lot of people may not know this, but uh, you wrote you contributed to two songs uh more than that but oh what there, song do you mean i'm talking about the village people and yeah. i'm talking about eartha kit that's right those are that's yeah 
Uh, well, I did an, an, an album with each of them, actually. But um, uh, the, yes, because I, uh, I had I got into that. I'd always wanted to be a lyric writer, but uh, you know, I just never it never connected. I was busy. But Jacques Morale was the guy who created the Village People, and uh, I wrote the first draft of the immortal "Can't Stop the Music," which oh, was okay. a huge, a huge turd. You should have wrote YMCA. You should have wrote YMCA. I did their stage act, and I, we did a, a couple of albums. One called a song called "Sex Over the Phone," which was number one in the UK and was banned by the BBC, which is one of my favorite. My favorite accomplishments to be banned by the BBC, um, but uh, I didn't write any of those of their big hits. But Eartha, uh, kind of Jacques, sort of uh, brought back. She she more or less retired, and he brought her back to do a song for a show in Paris at at uh, the the Crazy Horse. The Crazy Horse was a, a topless review with mm -hmm. gorgeous Amazonian women with massive tits. And they would lip sync to, and famous people would sing songs and they would lip sync to them. And so he got Eartha to come in and we wrote a song called Where Is My Man? Yeah. And, uh, and I wrote the lyric to it. And this gorgeous girl did it in Paris and Jock got it released in Europe as a single. And it was a huge, we were a huge hit all over the world. Every place but the U.S. where they right. said, Eartha Kit? And also they, you know, it was disco and uh, ish and, um, uh, you couldn't get airplay, but we right. had a lot. Of, uh, we sold a lot of twelve inches, which is, of course. Right. <laughs> wait, wait what are we talking about? Vinyl. I like right? nothing more than the twelve inch. That's and, right. <laughs> but uh, DJs spin, spun them at clubs, so if you went to any kind of club in the eighties, you heard "Where Is My Man," and we did an album off of it. Yeah, and 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 I admit, man, uh, I, I, it's not my cup of tea, and uh, I felt. That you know, any music from the 80s, every time I go back and listen to a lot of the 80s music in general, I get a yeah. little cringy, a little cringy because really? it's like, yeah, oh yeah, it's just because I was music, you know, yeah, was dance music. But yeah. I'm I I'm more into the heavier stuff, the metal yeah. stuff, the rock stuff. So when I listen to the old disco and I listen to j just you know outside of YMCA with the village people, I just cringe and it's well, like you know, they play well, that at ball games, right? That, I mean right. you know, they play it like crowds through the wave. Yeah. Here's I mean YMCA, yeah. whatever that yeah. whatever that yeah. roguing that they do is. But I, I listened to those and I was like, oh, I, I couldn't do this if I if I was a DJ, and, which I was at one time. So if I had to listen to that, I'd be like, no, I can't, was, I can't do know, it. This was this was pre-electronica and, and that's pre, right, pre-emo and all of the other stuff that you that they dance to now. That's right. I so I mean, they're always tweaking. Whenever I go to those places, everybody's tweaking, and I'm not tweaking. And I, yeah. please <laughs> play like play play Madonna, please play. Yeah, please. <laughs> that's right. Now. You you pretty much kept your nose clean your whole entire career. I mean, I, I tried to look for some good controversy out there on you. The worst I could oh, find was the worst I could find was was your assistant getting in trouble. That was it. Or <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. He's my troubled assistant. <laughs> yeah, you're true. All I could say is that I was like, I guess you didn't pay him enough, so he had to go do some side hustle. Is that what happened? <laughs> I don't, I, you know, what I'm I don't even, I don't know. I mean, I, he, but he was a drug bust, right? He was, yeah, a drug bust for cocaine or something like that. Okay. But I, I love the fact that the story was he was my assistant. I thought I'm that famous that, yeah, that, you know, that, that you have a routine 
and it was a setup anyway. I mean, he was, you know, right. he, was, you know he had stuff, but it was like somebody dropped a dime on him. So, right. Um, but if that expression means anything anymore, because nobody <laughs> I don't think it does, phone, you know, uh, but uh, they did. They they blew the whistle. So, but right. no, but I we were, you know, the, the, the Ted dance and blackface was pretty serious. At the oh, time. that's right. That's that was, right. That was uh, uh, at the time very controversial. And and Whoopi, the first thing Whoopi said to me is, you didn't do any of it. Don't don't claim any of it. Stay out. Right. Of it. Don't get any of it on you. And she said, she said I'm taking uh, responsibility for the whole thing. And I said, you know, OK, but if they if later on, you know, when they made a movie about me called Get Bruce. Which, uh, right. Uh, was produced by Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> That's never funny. laid a hand on me. Never. Uh, you, Hashtag, did you? Why not me? Yeah, that's uh, exactly. <laughs> I was there in the bathroom at the hotel, ready. But that's you know, right. No, he didn't know. But they made the movie. Uh, there was a whole uh, a part of the movie was was that, and people said, "Gee, I had no idea." They'd forgotten about it, so of course we unearthed it. Right. But, and that and that was released in 1999. So if anyone out there go check that out, it's a good documentary. Um, I'm sure it doesn't have everything in there. It's still very funny. Robin Williams and my mother are the big stars. That's right. That's Robin's right. brilliant, hilariously funny, and and my mother's is is a piece of work. My mother's really she's very dry, but she's and very Br- funny. And Bruce gets 100 percent royalties from it this whole entire time. <laughs> So I get I get as much of that as I get from Naked Boys singing, which is a, a stage musical that I co-wrote uh, with fourteen other people. I mean, literally. So hey, they, I, I, we've had eighty-four productions. I've made a dollar ninety-eight. Got it. Got it. Hey, I don't know if you know this, but in twenty twenty, they said your net worth is worth at uh, eight million dollars. So just to let you know, that's what the internet is claiming. That's that what you my were... net is worth. I mean, the rest of, you know, I mean, I've got the whole rest of the flying rig from the trapeze. The net alone is worth it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Trapeze, I... God knows what I'd get for that. But that's right. So um, so we you you release in 1999, you release uh, Get Bruce. And of course, you're still right there. You're on Hollywood Squares. I wanted to talk about Hollywood Squares because that was a big chunk of, I think, where people really recognized you. And that's where you really got to, I guess, quote unquote, shine I mean, I behind the scenes, you know, until squares. And then I was on television every night, uh, you know, to the left of Whoopi, if that's possible. <laughs> and one of my favorite ones was in, in an episode of the nanny is that you and whippy go back and forth in the and a reference to bruce yes. i wish i was on top of wolf whoopy and she says well if you were brad pitt then you would be so uh <laughs> something along those lines i think i was wearing a shirt saying not brad pitt yeah not brad pitt I that's right that, yeah, that was mr sheffield goes on yeah Hollywood yeah and and, and, and the nanny chases him Yeah. So, you know, but were you always pretty much in the left center or in the center? Is that pretty much? Did you guys get to always was to the left of Whoopi and it was intentional. They they Mm -hmm. thought that I would sort of tame her. They were a little scared. And so they put me up there next to her. And because she thought I should host the show. So they decided she was out of her mind and uh, they tested me anyway. And this is for the win, Louise. But uh, I get it. And Bergeron was, you know, Tom was the host. But they, they put me there. So uh, first, because they, they thought that the, I could tame her and they didn't realize uh, that she is really an, a, a, a gay Jewish guy and I'm really a black woman. So right. <laughs> we 
we had this rapport and they kept me up there because we had this joking thing and we were like like the two the two mainstay the two vets but she was the center square she's the star you know the center square in tic-tac-toe you have to go to to get a win or a block so they get called on more and that's why the center square is the star of the show so uh but I, I was always in the same spot. We would move other people around because right. you never knew how the game would go. And, and if you were like in up left or down down in the corner, you wouldn't get called on as much. So they would rotate positions because the likelihood of you getting called on. Is this interesting to anybody? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, the, you know, this is the logic of Hollywood squares. But it's like tic-tac-toe. I mean, right. but the idea was there were people in the squares. And so you had this, you had to service the people you brought in to perform. Right. Now that, that I had written for, I am the staff. We, I had a writing staff. We, yeah, I was going to say, did you, did you, did you guys write? People, we had to give people bluffs, the answers that sounded like they could be the right answer, but weren't. Right. And uh, But we couldn't give anybody the real answers. So. Uh, we, but we gave them jokes. If we thought they could handle a joke on something, we gave it to them. And, you know, it balanced out. And some of the funniest stuff was people who we didn't expect to be funny at all. Right, right. Like now I was going to, yeah, he's, I was going to say. He's really was funny. There, who knew? Was there any. Uh, the country singer, you know. Yeah. Was there any bloopers out there that people oh, could probably find? I don't know. That's a very good question. I've never seen a blooper reel. Uh, I, I haven't either. I I was looking for one. Maybe they didn't do one. I mean, uh, the right the rights thing is it, it was owned. A lot of people owned the show, and Sony had a piece of it. And part of their deal was they had the exclusive rerun rights for the game show network. And, and I don't know if that included the blooper reel or not. That's a very good question. Yeah, because I so There's if any famous one that's not blooper, but it's real. Uh, with uh, Gilbert Gottfried and Penn and Teller, which which is what a woman keeps landing on Gilbert to win, and she keeps uh, she misses every time, and we and Gilbert says you fool every time that she that she doesn't believe him you fool, and finally you know Penn Jillette starts talking, and and we're all it's a chorus of people, and it's on YouTube, and I keep people keep saying oh that thing is so funny that Gilbert got when Gilbert passed. Uh, it got a tremendous amount of uh, of hits because right. people remembered it. Right. And how can you forget Gilbert? I mean, my God. No. I mean, show. and there's been a lot of passing. A lot of your friends, Betty White, um, Gilbert yeah. Godfrey. Uh, man, you're just connected to literally everyone in Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I knew and know a lot of people. That's happened. <laughs> when you've been here a long time and you've worked a lot on the kind of shows I work on, you know, all those award shows have 30, 40 different uh, stars and personalities on them. And when you, I work with them all, now I know them all. Right. Now, what are you currently working on? What's, what's going, what is, when what I is the have, day in the life of Bruce? Well, I had an idea during COVID and mm-hmm. uh, with a friend of mine, who's a director and his wife, and they, um, uh, it's about, it's a musical. And it's about uh, a guy, a 40-year-old uh, gay comic who's never happened, who's working at uh, Caroline's in New York, and uh, uh, the pandemic hits, the club closes, and mm-hmm. he has to quarantine in the attic of his parents' home in Longview, Texas, where he has an intimate relationship with his imaginary friend, Dolly Parton. <laughs> Got it. 
she comes <laughs> off a poster on the wall and uh, it's two people and five musicians. And uh, uh, we called it, here you come again. It sounds like a porno, but it isn't. <laughs> here you come again, how Dolly saved my life in 12 easy songs. And we got a grant, a PPP grant from one of the arts uh, theaters because the government was letting, was giving them grants so that, because the revenue stream dried up, no audiences. So they didn't want to fire people. So they would give them, a, they would give them money. And part of the, of the, the money they gave them had to go to developing new work. So we got, got one it. of those new work grants and we wrote it and they loved it. And so I had to go to Dolly who I worked with off and on over the years and pitch her this idea thinking, you know, she, this is not her idea. She won't do it. She loved it. She's now right. my so we've done four regional productions of it. We did it in Delaware and Dallas and Palm Beach and Pittsburgh. And now uh, May 17th, we will unveil it in Nashville. At, okay. At Studio 10, T as in Tennessee, Studio 10. Yep. And uh, uh, Dolly, you know, will be around and uh, hopefully we'll give it the papal blessing, you know, and yeah. so that we can get a national kind of rollout on it and get more and, and don't forget to go down to Dollywood. I mean, it's right there. Well, since you're I, in I, one of the things I did with Dolly in the '80s was open Dollywood. I, oh, really? Had a big. Uh, there was a big Sunday night television show called Dolly! Exclamation! And right, right. Uh, it was a huge bomb. Just didn't work. And I was brought in as the rescue squad to come and fix it. And the way we fixed it was we we took it out of. Uh, um, we took it out of the Carol Burnett sort of world and we had every one, every week was a special. And one of the specials we did was opening Dollywood, which at the time I used to say to people, it's the most, it's the best half day you'll ever have. <laughs> right. There was nothing there. There were oh. clock dancers were the big thing. There were no rides. Right. It's, it's a weird kind of, uh, you know, uh, Strange sort of theme park uh, with a lot of exhibits and, and things and, and strange kind of county fair sort of uh, stuff, but all with a dolly tinge. And she had, had done it because there was a, a big country singer named Conway Twitty, right. who was an early rock and roll singer. And he had a right. place in Nashville called Twitty City. And Twitty City was basically a place for him to sell his merch. Right. But, uh, people, people went because there were exhibits and stuff. So she kind of modeled it on that. But, of course, being Dolly, it became bigger and bigger. And now it's a destination resort. You can buy a timeshare condo. There are roller coasters. I mean. It's Pigeon Forge, so, I mean. It's Forge. It's, yeah, yep. Pigeon Forge and, is beautiful in the Smoky yeah. and, and And I love what Dolly's done within Tennessee and the, her generosity with the people, especially after the fires and everything like that. So, um, now, what about stand-up? Are you doing any stand-up lately? Or are you getting out there in the clubs? I, I, I call it sit down. Okay. <laughs> I do a few dates here and there. I mean, I was never a club comic, you know. Uh, oh. I would come in. Uh, I love doing corporate dates, and they've come back. You know, I go like yeah. I do the, the, the diversity luncheon for right. some big company. And uh, I get to make fun of, of all of their bosses, which they love. And then uh, I tell stories about the Oscars and, you know, things like this. But they're... <clears throat> They're more performance type of stories, you know. What about doing some more? Uh, you used to do, I think you were the old school roaster. Like you used to do roast and stuff like that, and especially uh, on on certain people if they had you. Well, you know, the the, the whoopee was the most famous one. But, right. I, you know, roast, um, they were no holds barred. And then uh, they went commercial on Comedy Central. 
Right. And so they became rather clean. I mean, back in the old days, <clears throat> Dean Martin did them and they right. had Lucille Ball and Rickles and, but, and they were funny, but they were, you know, clean. And, right. Uh, the, the Friars Club was traditionally filthy. So the, 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 the roasts I've worked, I haven't been on them, but I've written for uh, some of them. Okay. They have some really funny stuff, but, uh, uh, the whole idea of roasting is kind of like, hmm, this, I don't know. It, 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 it never sat well on me. Because now, it was funny when it was like a bunch of comics doing another comic and, you know, because they do that all the time, right? In, in right. So that was funny. And the fact that you could just do the most outrageous jokes that you couldn't do anyplace else. So, yeah. but, you know, to go on Comedy Central and make jokes about Pamela Anderson, I mean, you know. It's pretty easy. It's pretty easy, and it's like, <laughs> right. you know, but she's a nice lady. So on top nice, of that, yeah, you know, she's nice. She's not worth worth your contempt, she's right? Not, you know, she she knows what she's doing, and so it's like, you know, pile on. <laughs> now in Get Bruce, you have a little stand up bit that's in there that I think is probably the funniest. And because it's a, it's definitely it's all about the wording. Um, I know it's a lot, a lot, of, a lot of your humor. People they don't have to really look into it, but if they just would pay the attention to the vocabulary in general, they'll get the joke. It's not maybe you know a slapstick kind of a joke, but you you talk you talk about the sadist. Uh, I have a joke. It's, it's called I call it the cat joke, and it's, right. it's not in that movie, but it, uh, it's it's on YouTube. It, it's on, it's the on, video. Somebody did it on YouTube. I don't think it's. I don't think it's in that. Yeah, I thought it was. I, I thought it was in. It's in Get Bruce, like we saw it well, in a trailer. Well, it might be. I mean, I, it, that means I've been doing it longer than I thought. But you right. know, I, I, I said I, when it showed up on YouTube, I said, "Well, I can't do this anymore because it's on YouTube." And in fact, I can't do it now because I have to remember it, <laughs> and I don't want to <laughs> fuck it up. So That's it's called the cat joke. And what I realized was. I would go. I would go places, and some they would shout out, "Do the cat joke!" <laughs> yeah, so was, do the cat joke. And then I, I said to Bet, "Now I know what it's like when they say, sing the rose.' You know, because right. we, whenever we put a show together for her, and I've been doing it for fifty years, we have right. to do the rose, wind beneath my wings, from a distance, boogie woogie bugle boy. Do you want to dance? Those five songs have to be in the show, right? Because that's what they want. And I thought, oh my God, I have a hit. The cat joke is like I have a hit, like I have a hit single. Take that, Taylor Swift. I have a hit. What but What is one of your, What is your one of your biggest jokes that you like? I, that I, maybe people joke that, that I've been doing now. That actually, you know, I, I wrote all these Sophie Tucker jokes, right? Uh, uh, and some of them were actually Sophie Tucker, but she was. Uh, and then none of them have uh, are, uh, have any dirty language in them, but they're all you know dirty jokes about sex. And right. uh, I have one that bet did years ago and i was thinking about it because it's it's a very it's a very uh uh woke joke it's it's extremely woke and uh and so i started doing it you know and i said this is to me so woke i could just do it anywhere so i will right. do it for you now if you like because it, yes it has those two <laughs> qualities that's and right it's a so so far always i will never forget it <laughs> my girlfriend clementine is always fixing me up with exotic young men other day, she rang me up. She said, Soph, you won't believe what I'm sending over this time. Ten minutes later, the doorbell rang. I looked out on my front stoop. There was a young man with no arms and no legs. I said, what the hell do you think you're going to do? He said, I rang the bell, didn't I? 
<laughs> well, That's Bruce. No joke. I mean, it's like it's it's you know not ableist. It's like it's this guy figured it out. I, I it's body positive. I could, That's right. I could sell it to Lizzo. It's body positive. That's right. So Lizzo, if you're watching it, if you're watching, uh, which I really doubt if you are, you're too, way too, way, way too, uh, yeah. way too, and <laughs> she's too busy to even watch this stuff. But Bruce, we want to appreciate you stopping by today. Um, any you. books, any books in the works? I know you've already written the book right now. In fact, yeah. I am the Ice Pirates chapter as we speak. That's right. That's right. And it's, it comes off of these podcasts because uh, I've done a bunch of podcasts and people your age are always they're interested. They they talk about the the crap I wrote in the seventies, specifically right. the Star Wars holiday special, the Paul right. Lynn Halloween special, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, and right. these are like some of the worst shows in television. And um, uh, and so I, that's the book is about how I got to do all that and survived. It, and it's called "It Seemed Like a Bad Idea at the Time." <laughs> right. And is there an expected time frame that this yeah, is going to be coming out? next next year before the oscars got it okay like after you know early early 24 they're early 24 early Maybe. 24 and, and then if you guys check them out where can they find uh what's your website yeah, that the they best can... thing is we got bruce.com that's right we got that's, bruce got it's run by a fan in florida who knows more than i do about i i check in to see what i'm up to <laughs> is that how it works i have to be there tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right again bruce thank you for stopping by thank guys you. don't forget to go to go check out his website and also our website www.theloudspot.net and of course as sebastian always says peace out rock on and much love this is the loud spot outro by nothing short of tragic is this all talk with no action no is this my thoughts with distraction? No. Is this what I bought that's in fashion? Or is this the loud spot with Sebastian? Yes. Does nothing short of tragic have us back again? Yes. Does everything that's good really have to end? A pin post has to pin show, so to get more episodes, make an order, this is over. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.